remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi there. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, show number 147. We are quickly closing in on that 150 number, so just get ready, get ready, because we're going to do something really special then. Today our theme is power. If this is your first time with us, I just want to give you a heads up that uh, the way we operate is that every week we have a theme for the show to try to focus our conversation a little bit, um, but overall we focus on what does it mean to say yes to spirit and how does your life change, shift, transform when you say yes to spirit. And what we know for sure is that everything, everything we could do, everything we could say, everything that happens to us is related in some way to saying yes to spirit, that spirit is woven in and through everything that happens in life. And so that's the purpose of a theme. Now, what you may um, find interesting is that if you were to scour the archives, some of the themes are obviously related to a spiritual topic. So there are some things that are very, you know, obviously spiritual, prayer, meditation, those kinds of things. But other themes you might look at and go, what in the heck does that have to do with saying yes to spirit? Um, from violence to teaching to, you power. know. <laughs> well, no power actually ha- is, is kind of close. But lots of, um, of, lots of things just related to day-to-day life or random words selected from the universe. Uh, but today our theme is power, and I think it. I mean, obviously, in the write-up we had, what what power is there that comes from saying yes to spirit, and how do you use your spiritual power? Um, oh, isn't that interesting? I was just thinking like power, like like Hitler. money grab power, you know, power. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Yeah. This is a good topic for me then. Yeah. Power <laughs> spirit didn't come to my mind. The power of God. Where's my mind? I don't know, but I know where it'll be 57 (laughs) minutes from now. So true. And so so that's a little bit about Say Yes to Spirit and how we operate for those of you who might be listening for the very first time. Before we get into our theme for the week, we always try to connect. No, let me go back. Before (laughs) we get into our theme for the week, Leslie always tries to connect our current theme, today's topic, with the previous topic and connecting the dots between those two 
is really important to her, and so we always stop and give her time to do that. <laughs> so last week the theme was leadership. I do get a little nervous if we don't do that, my ritualistic need. And it is interesting to me to see, like you were saying earlier, you know, each week we have a different theme, but it all comes back to that connecting back to spirit. And for me that's how the connecting the dots works in terms of, you know, everything sort of works together when we stop and look at it. And this is an easy connect the dots between leadership and power. Certainly, um, I've worked for many people that, you know, their focus was to have the power. Yeah. And they managed through power. And then um, others who managed through a leader or, uh, you know, do as I do, set an example. And so I see it, I guess maybe because I saw leadership and then I saw the word power, and that's why my mind went to, you know, more of a human controlling power versus um, the power of God. So there's my easy connect the dots between leadership and power. But I'm looking forward to talking about the spiritual power at play versus the human power at play. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about power power. Power power. (laughs) And then we'll talk about, because, you know, if we talk about (laughs) spiritual power first, there'll be no going to the other Mm -hmm. power. So stick with us, um, and we'll be back in a little over a minute. Welcome back. This is Say Yes to Spirit, and I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And our theme today is power. This is, as I said earlier, show number 147. And I'm thinking, do we get cake at 150? We're going to do something really (laughs) special at 150. We may get cake, but we'll do something really special for our listeners as well. So you will want to be listening live when we get to show 150. That's very cool. That's very cool. So today our theme is power. What power is there from saying yes to spirit? How do you use your spiritual power? Is there an inherent conflict between spiritual power and ego? And are power and strength Mm. the same thing? Ooh, power and strength the same thing. Okay. So we have to start with the human power? Well, I think that that does seem to be a logical place to start that often if you just see the word power, Mm -hmm. we think of all the people who misuse power. Yes. I mean, uh, in in general, in the United States anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like power is bad. Mm -hmm. People have power and they hurt you or they, Mm -hmm. you know, they get their way and you don't get what you want or what's good for you. Power in the 
early part of the 21st century seems to have a bad rap. Right. And I guess that's why my mind went right there, you know, that kind of power. And also, um, I do some work in the Dallas County Women's Jail, so I'm constantly confronted with the power the officers have over the women. Yes. And it's a lot of conversations throughout the week in terms of helping the women understand that the officers have a certain amount of authority of what can and can't happen on the, on the pod. They call it a pod where they live. But the, the officers don't have any power in their personal mind or spiritual well-being or peace of mind. That they have to understand that they're, what was that famous Maya Angelou book, Why the Cage, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, you know, people yeah. that have experienced some real, you know, tor- you know, prisoners of war and things like that. It, it does really show an indication that, we do have ultimate control over our mind, and and our mind is where our peace lives. And so I can see each week the women that turn their power, only I have power over me, and I can give you my power, and I see the women that give their power to the guards. So every time the officer, you know, makes them clean something up again or turns the TV off when they're in the middle of a show or, you know, does something that's unpleasant for them, and because they've given the officer their power, their sense of well-being, they have this huge reaction instead of having a, a, a small reaction of, oh, this is uncomfortable or this isn't very nice and, you know, too bad for her that she feels the need to exert her authority in this way that is rather punitive and arbitrary and understanding that I still have control of my power, my peace of mind. And so it is a real evident example to me uh, day-to-day to see that power at play of one person having power, quote-unquote, over another. Mm-hmm. I, and, yeah, that's and it's interesting for me that while I intellectually understand that and can relate to it, it it's not what comes to mind first for me because right. I live in a bubble. I mean, really, it's very different. Yeah, it's not in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I live in a bubble, not because, you know, not really because I'm, like, financially independent or anything, but because I don't go into a workplace and report to a boss every day. Right, and so it's like in this stage of my life, you know, I've created this life experience where more often than not, you know, I call my own shots. And, yeah, I work with clients, and, yes, you know, I take direction in the center for from our, you know, ministers and other people. But it's not a giving away of my power. It's a, okay, this is what you, or like you said, I recognize the authority of different people in my life mm-hmm. to influence or to make requests or even to make demands. Mm-hmm. I mean, my clients are paying me, and uh, they can make demands. They want something a certain way or by a certain time, and they have the authority to do that. But I don't see them as having power over who I am or my life Mm -hmm. because I agree to meet their demands in exchange for the money that they are paying me. So in that sense, there's some, you know, balance. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a long time since I've thought about power as, you know, even during, you know, as me being the victim of Mm -hmm. someone with harsh power. Now, it's easy in political discussions 
to think about the politics of power and nation A against nation B or the banking system, Mm -hmm. you know, and the people who are making, you know, billions of dollars, companies and banks and things like that. But that doesn't come into my everyday existence so much. Right. And it is interesting to watch. You know, you always hear about jailhouse conversions and people having these spiritual awakenings when they're in jail and whether they last or not when they get out of jail. But I I do see very clearly that that is the, the most effective way to get through having someone really having complete authority, yeah. even though they don't have power over me because I'm the only one that can give that away once I'm an adult. But they do have complete authority. If you don't follow their rules, they can punish you. They have complete authority over you. That to get to a place of being able to accept that, it, it, it really, the only real authentic way to have that occur is through some spiritual belief, through some spiritual program. Yes. And watching these women make the choice to start reading their Bible or, you know, we've had a couple that actually have gotten into some new thought. Randomly people have sent them things in the mail and so they've gone into to more of a new thought kind of spirituality. But I would say that 98% of the women in the jail come around to, if they don't start with some sort of spiritual program, they come around to understanding, I've got to give God or this higher power or Jesus Christ, I've got to trust that he's going to help me. And and their mind thinking then can say, okay, the officer might tell me I have to do X, Y, and Z, and I have to do that, but they are not my God. And I'll hear women say that, that officer is not my God. That officer can't take my joy. And so their language starts coming to understand that their spiritual program is really where their heart and soul and life is and this officer is a temporary experience and you know the majority certainly all the women in our class in our group will eventually be in the free world again none of them are serving life sentences so they can so they can see the hope in terms of you know i've got god on my side and you know this officer won't always be in my life but it, it really is an interesting thing to watch them get out of that anger and resistance to the officer and focusing all on the officer and how horrible they are and we'll sit around and we'll just affirm that yes the officer you know has all these things these 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 things are true you're saying they do have this authority but your reaction is your choice and watching them go from being angry and defensive and pointing out to saying okay i've got to reel back in my power i've got to reel back in my thoughts and and i'm going to focus on god and then they can really get I mean, you, you, I see these people get to a very deep spiritual program because of the circumstances by which they live. Yeah, and, you know, that I think is what happens to us who are not in a physical mm. prison. jail or prison. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're not in prison in mm. our, you know, state or federal prison, yet we are in jail. Yes. You know, we have we are in a jail that we have created Definitely. from our own subconscious beliefs and values, and and we operate with all of these limitations that we have agreed to mm-hmm. that are not requirements and and are not more powerful than the power and the presence of God. So that is, you know, even 
scarier, I think, sometimes. When you're in prison, you know you're in prison for whatever reason, true or false, but you know it's a physical... It's a literal thing, yeah. Right, you know? And for the rest of us who give our power away yes. to the guards we have appointed... Yes, whether it be our spouse, our boss, our children, our neighbors... Shopping, drugs... Yes, I mean alcohol, sex... Money. Right, you know, that we give our power, we, we give away our power to these um, entities, sometimes people, mm-hmm. sometimes not. Fear. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah but I'm thinking, yeah, fear, anxiety. Talk right. about me for a minute, yeah. Well, and that, I mean that, that we give the power to run our lives over. Mm-hmm. Yes. To... All of these things, other than the power and presence of God, the spirit of God, the love of God, knowing that God is love, right? And so what's with that? What's with that? And it's such a, I mean, really when we step aside, if we can become the observer in my life, I can see it so clearly. My spiritual teacher told me a couple of years ago that the clients that I attract in my private practice are mirrors for me. We're sad for my clients, aren't they? Isn't that kind of mean-spirited that I take their money and they're just there to help me? But um, and it's interesting. I had a client this week who was so in the story and going down this rabbit hole of this horrible thing and why this, you know, why she's the victim and why these things keep happening and she's seeing the patterns. And I kept saying, what's the feeling? What's the feeling? To try to get out of the story into the feeling because when we express the feeling quote-unquote, in the therapeutic world, you can get into the healing and you can let it go and then you can be done with the story. So, and and she records our sessions. And so I told her to go back and listen. And it was like 28 times that I said, what's the feeling? And she just discounted and kept going. And I actually got kind of louder. And I kind of said her name, Sally Sue, what's the feeling? And then I would interrupt her. She goes, I said, that's the story. And I'd interrupt her and say, that's a thought. And it was like 28 times. And, I, and I'm and i thinking, that is such a reflection to me. I mean, my life is like throwing up all these, what's the feeling, what's the, you know, get past this, Leslie. And I'm just, who no, who no. I go, you know, <laughs> going on my path. And so it's, you know, and I'm really, I'm the smartest one in the room, other than Tracy, of course. But, um, you know, I really, I, I find myself perplexed by my own absolute commitment to things not going well. And that's, <laughs> isn't that good? Isn't that, that's that classic <laughs> line. That is classic. Yeah. Well, I'm absolutely <laughs> committed to things not going well. And that's the human, I mean, that's yeah. most of us most of the time. I mean, because, you know, we, we have that nice, pithy uh, line or cliche or quote about, you know, Fear and faith really are the same energy. It's just that when you have fear, you have complete faith that the worst is going to happen. Yes. But it's faith. It's the execution of faith. We're living in the faith that that's going to go wrong. So, yes, your your line is going to be my my new classic (laughs) line for that. You seem to be absolutely committed that the worst is going to happen. Yeah. And, I'm using and, that. And, yeah, and it's but the the power that we then give that that I then give 
that belief then, yes. you know, perpetuates the circumstance. Right. It feeds energy to right. it. It attracts right. more of whatever's going to support that feeling. Right. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Because my power is engaged at all times. I'm, you know, with my new obsessive compulsive listening of Michael Gott's CD of Awakening. You know, still, still I swear to God, it's like, been like a month. It's been like a month, but, you know, in fact, there's a line in there, there's a power in my hands. And, you know, there is a power in my hands. And every 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 moment I'm expressing it, and um, it's a choice. And we have a lot of women that, you know, in the Bible it talks about the power of the tongue. And yes. so we hear that a lot in the jail, and that is so true, what I speak, what I speak. And I love that, you know, many times there's so much commonality in the different spiritual programs, if people can see that, because certainly that's a very new thought thing of what I speak, I manifest. So there's power in everything that I'm doing. And in all of the ancient traditions, which makes sense, that the the emphasis on the spoken word and the energy and conviction behind that, and the stories and how you tell them, I mean, think about it, that all of this generation, centuries before us, when there was no, there were no books, there was no printed material to send. So of course, the the power of your word, right? The power of the spoken prayer, the power of claiming the mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. verbally, was what was available. And then you realize the spiritual principle behind it. Of course, it's the voice. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we give our power away all the time that way. And it's a huge step in the right direction when we, and and I know that, you know, I I, I am grateful that I now know it's a clear choice, even though I want to sit back and say it's not, because I know there's a lot of knee-jerk things that happened for me, and many times I feel paralyzed by some of the, some of the dark places I can go in my mind, but at the end of the day, I I do know it's my choice, and and you know there's so much awareness and and, and awakenedness, and spirit is really awakenedness. That's a good word, isn't it? Um, spirit, I think, the energy of spirit, the energy of good, for me, red birds and different nature things pull in kind of remind me, trigger me back to the truth of who I am. And I'll notice when I'm feeling sort of almost like I'm in a vice or kind of being pulled away mentally, I'll see a red bird or I'll, you know, get a text from a friend or something will happen and I'll, oh, right, oh, that's right, that's the truth, that's the reality, that's what's real. And so there is a lot of um, external things that do kind of... um, give me an opportunity to be reminded of the truth even when I'm in sort of these overwhelming dark places that I can go. I do think the good is still always at play all around me, the power of good, because there is, I think, a tangible power of good at play, bigger than me in my mind. So this tension between lowercase mind and Uppercase mind. <laughs> there you go, lowercase mind. Right. Ego and spirit. Right. I think that is a natural and even required occurrence in the human experience. Sadly, that's what you people keep saying. I keep thinking we should be able to get to the spiritual. <laughs> and you can get to the spiritual 
the spiritual um, perfection. Yes. It is part of the cycle of life to get You're to the spiritual You're just saying you can't sustain it for 24-7? Well, you can sustain it for 24-7 when you are no longer in this physical Human food. body, right, right, right. And so that is always, always not just available, but always present. And I and yeah, I believe that the the ego or the human experience is is what provides the tension. Yes. And so the, the contrast, as well in law of attraction, and as Abraham, uh, as as channeled by Esther Hicks would say, it's the contrast that is required for us to know. Like you don't know joy unless you've experienced. Pain and know it. Mm-hmm. You may have an intellectual mm-hmm. um, understanding that there is such a thing as love. Uh, you know, love and hate. We in our casual language we say that they're the opposite, but really it's love versus fear. And so, love versus apathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have to see something or see, experience, or be exposed to something that is not like what you want to know when you get what you want, or, you know, to know that you are moving toward that or have achieved that. Is that a new thought um, philosophy here? I'm going to test your, your, um, your, your book knowledge, new thought. But the idea that the Christ consciousness, the one mind, capital M, um, spirit, whatever name we call it, that it was all there was, and it is perfect and loving and all good and all the things we can't speak of because it's so fabulous. And when it was just it, it had nothing, no tension, no anything else. So it made a conscious decision to create itself in these little humans, so to speak, to then have a playground to experience the opposite of it, well, so then it would know the experience of the other things, so it could see. Are you with me? I know you're with me, but I know it's hard to follow. But the, the, well, the, so I'm, I'm, with you, I'm with you with one exception. So I don't think that creation was about creating the opposite. I think creation was about the way that we, the way that we. The way that we talk about it in the thought, but also the way it is in the Bible and the way it is in Judaism and in the Quran, in Islam as well, in all the Abrahamic traditions, the creation story was, was or is all about God creating a, a way to express all of life or to experience all of life. So not just the opposite, right? But every possible way to experience. So, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with clients and you know they're into this, you know, I feel so bad about, I feel sorry that I, you know, or I'm embarrassed that I am, you know, experiencing shame, or um, I am so sorry I. And sad all the time, and you know, but really, just getting them to recognize, like you said, the feeling that comes with whatever behavior mm-hmm. is huge, and every feeling, every emotion 
it's been created for us to experience right and is an indicator of something to lead us to a certain action right so so it does start like you were saying with your claim what's the feeling mm-hmm. like what's the feeling now okay you don't want to feel that feeling anymore <laughs> right. then we have to change your beliefs you have to change your actions and that will result in a different feeling. And you know what's interesting? Many times when you actually experience the feeling, it has the healing in itself. It's the avoidance of the feeling that creates the story, that creates the, you know, it's it's the avoidance of the feeling. Um, there yes, was, it can absolutely yeah. work that way as well. Yeah, the feeling just kind of is once I you don't experience feel, it. I don't want to feel afraid. And I know that I feel afraid or I don't want to feel discounted and ignored. So I don't go to family things because whenever I'm around my family, I feel discounted and ignored. Well, guess what? You know, it's the feeling discounted and ignored that you want to replace. If you want to interact with your family, you can do that and and interact in a way that's different because you are different. Right. So, yeah, but if you avoid that feeling and avoid it and avoid it, you never go, well, it's the Winston Churchill quote. Right. If you find yourself caught in hell, don't get stuck there. Like, keep keep going. Keep going. Keep Keep going. going. Keep Keep going. going. Because otherwise you will be just stuck there, and that's what you will experience. And and in the last few weeks, I've been listening to a lot of Guy Finley. I was going to say Michael Gott. (laughs) <laughs> no, you've been listening to oh, Michael Gott. Right. I've been listening to D, uh, to CDs of talks by my, by Guy Michael Finley. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, by Guy Finley. And who is Guy Finley? Oh, Guy Finley is um, an author and um, leader, spiritual leader. He wrote the book Freedom from the Ties That Bind. He wrote. Um, a book that was really popular that I'm not going to remember the whole title for, but about letting go. Is he alive now? He's alive now, and he lives at at and runs a uh, spiritual center in Oregon, I believe, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I believe it's in Oregon. And um, anyway, so I've been listening to you know, some CDs from a few years ago. And um, and there was this one message that it just really hit me strongly. And as it happens, I this is probably the sixth or seventh time I've shared it because Love other it. things keep happening that are so related to that, to what he, what he said. So I'm driving him down the street, and he says this one Phrase this one section of the talk that was so powerful I had to pull over wow. and pull into a parking lot and then hit replay and be still and listen. And it was all about the idea that in life, when things happen that we don't like or that make us uncomfortable, or et cetera, et cetera, that we could refer to those as dark forms, mm-hmm. Okay, whether it's a belief, whether it's an experience, whether it's a person, but it's a dark form of life. Right, I've heard and that. when we get praise, when we get, um, when we get exposed to a dark form, what we want to do and what we tend to do is run away from it. Run away from it, right? 
Or we'll stay close to it and pretend we're ignoring it. Yes. Or once we're familiar with that dark form and we're walking down the street or, you know, walking through the streets of life and we see it far in the distance but it's coming our way, then we turn and get on another street. Like we avoid it. We right. And he it makes this point that what we have to do is we have to face it. Yes. And we are, as spiritual beings, we are the light. And the only thing that makes darkness go away is light. So we have to bring our own light to the dark form. So the I don't know if I remember this exactly, but the he tells this story that that's mm. the point of it. But then in one phrase he says something like, life is dark forms being transformed by light. That's a nice, that's a, like a long bumper sticker, but it's a nice bumper sticker. But it, I like you know, that. Uh-huh. Light, all, all our life, our mm-hmm. life experience mm-hmm. is about trans, bringing our light to transform the dark forms of life yes. into light. And they cannot be transformed any other way. Leslie, you cannot transform the dark forms that I come into contact with. Only me bringing my own light to that. Right. And that, related to our theme today, is our spiritual power. Each one of us has our own spiritual power. It is not given to us by our minister. It is not given to us by our parents. Or by our actions, or by we don't deserve it, we don't earn it. It is an inherent nature. Right. It is our nat- our true essential nature. Right. And if we are living and walking in that light and being that light in the world, then any and all of the dark forms that we come into contact with, and sorry, Leslie... <laughs> There will always be oh. dark forms. But they'll be smaller and tinier and just a blip maybe instead of like a whole room. They're all tiny and small and a blip. They, <laughs> none like of them room. have any Mine power. Mine are a room right now. They're a whole room. Yeah. None, none of them have any power in comparison to the power of spirit. Okay, I'm on my Sunday talk. I'm in I Sunday like talk it. mode. I like right? it. I like it. It is the truth of it who is we the are. Truth. And that is a powerful metaphor that the only way you can get out of the darkness is, and then, then, then you can take that metaphor onto the, you know, darkness never fights the light. Exactly. When you turn the light on in the room, it's not like the room then goes dark again. The room says, oh, now it's light. As long as you paid your electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, too. There you go. But, yeah, and in, the, in, the, in nature or in the out-of-doors experience, it's, you know, dark out and cold, and we build a fire. We build the campfire because it is the light that brings warmth Warmth. and heat and healing and light into the, you know, to replace the darkness. So, yeah, we do in in classes. We always often use that um, example of a dark room. The the dark room is not a threat. And you know what's so interesting is it, it, you take the metaphor to, you know, we do get scared of the dark, and there's bumps in the night, right, and the scary things that we don't know. There's a young girl in the jail now. She's 19, and she in different groups has gone through um, 
talking about being in a uh, an abusive relationship and has kind of touched on a little bit of tears around that, a little bit of feeling around that. And we did um, a fabulous art exercise yesterday where we took two pieces of paper, kind of a transparent piece of paper on top and drew what our anger looks like when we get angry. And then underneath on a uh, a, a piece of paper that was, you know, you could see clearly it wasn't transparent, was what's underneath that anger. Because there's always feelings of sadness or fear or anxiety or something underneath the anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. There's your little therapeutic uh, education for the day. So this young girl who's kind of touched on some different things in her life, when she got up and presented it, she showed her anger, and then when she turned her page over and showed what was underneath she just spontaneously went into this disclosure about being molested from her stepdad as a small child. And you could see that that it was almost like she was having an experience where she didn't know what she was saying. You know, mm-hmm. she kind of lost the fact that she was in this room full of women. And, and so she just said all these things and, and kind of then when she sat back down in the group, the emotion just kind of washed over her and she ran out of group. And we can't really have access to them when they're on their bunks. So she ran up to her bunk, and I watched another inmate go up after her. And so at the end of group, I had her come back into the classroom, and she said she had this experience of when she was up there talking, she didn't even really know what she was saying, and then she heard herself talking. Mm -hmm. And then when she sat down and realized what she had said, what she had exposed, this secret, this Mm -hmm. darkness, this thing she'd never told anyone, and she had that, that, that feeling was so intense it caused her to run. And then gratefully, I believe by divine design, a healthy inmate got a hold of her. And she described the event as the inmate held her and nurtured her and said, let it out, it's okay, you're safe, I'm here. And she said, I cried like I've never cried. She goes, it's like I was, she was like something came up and out of me. Yes. And she said, I feel like I'm different she had this experience. Yes. She, you know, she went into the darkness, the thing that she'd avoided, she, she'd been giving power to, and then she had this cathartic experience of the feeling, and then it was she's done with it. I mean, that piece, I, you know, is out of her, and it won't come back to that extent again. It might come back around in different. Yeah, I, or now that that is up and out, the things that all the things that were attached to it, right, will be looking for another place to attach in her. So. But but yeah, it's she brought the light. She the light, brought yes. the spiritual power of saying yes to spirit. Spirit, you can operate in my life. Uh, you know, I don't need to be afraid of this. She walked into the darkness, and she absolutely walked into the darkness and turned on the light. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I think, like you said, we see that darkness and we touch it and we run the other way or we avoid it. We go down different streets, and it's only through. Mm-hmm. Going yeah. into it. I was just in my mind's eye seeing that image of like we cower, like, you know, yeah. the darkness is this big. I mean, because it feels that way yes. if, oh, in our gosh. human experience. Yeah. It's so big, and we're, we feel so small, and in reality, you know, the cliche don't tell your, um, don't. Bring your big problems to your small God. Tell your small problems about your big God. Yes. And But we often have the power balance mm-hmm. the other way. 
that all my problems have have the power to right. control me, to to um, influence me, to make me choose. I choose because of all these big problems, and then I go to God in a beseeching way to please save me. Right. When reality, I can save myself through the power of God by simply realizing my problems are just these little dust bunnies, like the dust bunnies around the floor in my house, right? (laughs) It is interesting. When you turn the light on, how, you know, the obvious apparent darkness goes away that seems so big, it, it then becomes nothing. Yeah, but I also like what you said about the example of the young woman in the jail because when the big, big problem that has had such a hold on us goes away, all the things that were connected to it don't automatic don't always automatically disappear as well. So I'm I mean I can think of three or four examples in my own life where I faced the primary fear, the real the source of it. But because that fear had been running my life for so long, then when when that was up and out and I felt really confident, then you know the the um dysfunctional relationships that were attached to it, those people didn't go away. But they were used to interacting with me based on that false belief or that false fear. So then as I reshaped my relationship with them, I mean, that took work over a long period of time because they kept coming at me to interact the way we had interacted, you know, for 20 years. But you were you were different, but so you had a different set different, of ability so, to handle that. Well, and and I had to make different choices. Right. And I had to talk to them differently than I had before. They didn't change. Right. I'm the one who changed. And so that piece of of you know now what gave me confidence to to step into that, of course, was I realized I had faced the core fear. Right. You and I survived that. Mm-hmm. But it, that didn't make it easy to deal with the dozens of things that were related to that fear. It's just I then met them from a different place, continuing to bring the light. Right. And we're, once we have that, I think once we have that experience, then it's, it builds on itself. It's, if we consistently yeah. continue to take step after step after step. Right. Because I, I do think it's easy to face the big fear, and then we get flooded with all these things. We're like, wait, that's over. Why is this happening? And then it's easy to just, like, fall right back in, and the big fear that we face comes right back because everything that was connected to it is still in place. And oh, we, we get relax. discouraged. And we, we get, get discouraged. discouraged. We we believe oh that it doesn't work. Wasn't real. You know whatever spiritual program I'm on, it's you know I thought it was gonna it was going to save me or fix me or all of that. It's like no, there's still I've got to stand up. I have the power to face that, and I have the power to stand up to everything that's related to it. What is the the the, the um, dark night of the soul? Where does that come from? That phrase. That's a good question. <laughs> oh, infinite knower of all knowledge, you don't know the dark night of the soul? Because I do think sometimes, 
I know for me, I think I've been through that dark night of the soul, and that's never going to come back. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. Yeah. So apparently that's not right. Well, I mean, but you come know. back on different layers, and I really think that you know the old example of the onion is very true. We do it at different layers, different levels, and um, but the dark night of the soul, it, it kind of gives also the information within that phrase that it's just a night. It's not a lifetime. You know, it'll have a cycle. The sun will rise. There's a fabulous line. It's not in Michael Gott's CD, sadly, but um, it's uh, there's a line that says the darkness is just. Uh, waiting for the sun sunrise, you know. Like, uh-huh. There's the no, darkness of night, right? Simply waiting for the sunrise of morning. I love that. Yes, it'll always, you know, it always gives into the sunrise. So you find and they don't it, fight and they don't they battle. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, because there have been books called Dark Night of the Soul. There have been poems called Dark Night uh, of the sure. Soul. There have been all kinds of stuff. So the the true. The, the true, person that started it will never know. The, well, I said the true 21st century version of infinite knowledge. <laughs> yes. In in physical form. Was it Oprah? Google. Oh, I thought you were say Oprah said it. Um, <laughs> so no, so we're looking up Dark Night of the Soul in Google, yeah. and that's <laughs> not being very helpful either. When the very first one is. A reference to the album, <laughs> the CD, <laughs> Dark Night of the Soul by somebody. Oh, that's too bad. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I do like the the vision, the I mean the the um, message of it though. That it's just a night. And I mean, there, you know, now there's a scripture that refers to Dark Night of the Soul, I believe, but I'm oh. not seeing it in my, Madam Google. Um. Dark Night of the Soul, a masterpiece in literature of mysticism. St. John of the Cross, Dark Night of the Soul, a quote by Eckhart Tolle, Dark Night they of the Soul. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's everywhere. But it is. it, it symbolizes, a, 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 you know, it's only so long. It's only so long. And I have experienced that in my Dark Nights of the Soul, in my moments of even really... You know, looking back at the moment, I think I forgot all that I knew. You know, it does. It is. It is time dependent. It doesn't last forever. And um, I think many times when we're trying to avoid the feelings, we're fearful. Many people, myself included, will say, you know, if I tap into this feeling, it'll take over, and I'll be lost in it for the rest of my life. So there is. Um, Something reassuring about knowing it's a time. You know, yeah. there's a night, there's a dark night of the soul, not a dark life of the soul, not a dark forever. A dark eternity. <laughs> dark eternity. Soul. We really don't believe in that. Well, you know, and I, that is interesting to think about it and phrase it that way because um, a dark night of the soul, of the soul, so, I mean, we've done dark night, but oh, of the soul yeah. means that it is a part of. The complete soul. That's interesting. The human experience of the complete soul. And so, that's interesting. Like I, I was really resonating what you said about dark night means there's a morning to come, and so it's it's temporary. But also, it is it is a part of just like in our experience of a week, we know that we're going to go from day to night to day to night to day to night. 
So the dark night of the soul is a part of the soul. It's not like you stepped away from your soul. That's really good. It's it's not like you're out here and you're coming back to your soul with with the light. That's really interesting. That it is part of, of the soul. soul. Oh, that's good, Trace. That's it's not very good. A dark night away from the soul. Right. It's not a dark night outside of the soul. Not the soul going through a dark night. It is a dark, the dark night of the soul, meaning every soul, or it could be interpreted to mean that every soul has dark nights as a part. You know, that's so interesting that you're saying that, because that, when I experience where I call and I say the darkness, that's my experience of it. It, it. it becomes me. And even though I might have a twinkle of a star somewhere and my spiritual work and my spiritual practice, you know, I might see the red bird and I might remember what I remember for 30 seconds, I experience it as all of me is is in this darkness, you know, that I am the darkness, yes, and that's exactly how I experience it. And that's really profound. And then it transitions. It only has a certain amount of time. And over years, I've learned that. And so, then when the when the light comes back, it's I described it recently like it's like coming up from underneath water, and I get mm-hmm. that first breath. And it's and it's that that it's that quick. When I come out of it, it's like I wake up. And I'm not mm-hmm. completely crazy. It's not like I lose time or buy houses or you know change clothing or my tone of my voice. So I just wanted to disclose that. But it's, it's it's that quickly that I'll come back to what I say is the truth of who I am. But it's both. It seems like when I'm experiencing it, I love this. It is it is the dark night of the soul. It's not something separate from me or something I'm going through. It's like an envelopment. So the natural. See, now you've made me feel so sane. It's a natural part of oh, what we're meant to. Really Man, I am so glad I came. <laughs> So the the oldest rep, uh, reference, or the reference to the kind of oldest time of the mm. phrase "Dark Night of the Soul," is uh, is about the book "The Dark Night of the Soul," which is quote a spiritually moving and mystical book written in um, in the 1500s oh. by Saint John of the Cross, and I love uh, in in. In it, St. John of the Cross continues his description of the soul's journey, the dark night, to the divine union of the love of God. Later in this uh, description, it says, Offering hope to the downtrodden and discouraged, the dark night of the soul is one of the most difficult books a person can read, Mm. but its difficulty is surpassed by its reward. So yeah, it's it is from the 1500s. Wow, one of the most profound works of Christian mysticism. Who wrote that? I'm writing that on my hand. Saint John <laughs> of the Cross. Saint John of the Cross. Okay, very good. Interesting, but I love that that it's part of. The, and you know, ultimately going back to the big it, creating little tiny its to have it. Its experience is something other than it. I love, you know, that uh-huh. makes complete yeah. sense in my mind. That would make sense that it would have to dive all the way into being not it to then experience the it. And uh, you said dive all <laughs> the way in. Yeah. Uh, 
what I heard at first was die. Oh, die. Die within. Because there's a phrase that we that is used by a lot of writers, and we use it in um, in religious science a lot as well. Um, but it's that idea of dying to the old mm, in yes. order to birth the new. Or in Christianity, that I am reborn, I'm born again, again. Yes. Um, which which is the implication that the old me has died. Yes. I experienced that fully, mm-hmm. and I have released it mm-hmm. from form, Yes. and I am in a new form now. I'm reborn, um, and so a lot of times what we what we lay to rest. Mm-hmm. Is the dark form or dark experiences that we have been accustomed to or attached to before that moment? And it is, it's, it is a rebirth, and it, it, and I guess the cycle of it for me personally, you know, it's become shorter and shorter and shorter in terms of how long I stay in the darkness. And Tracy is looking at me like, no, it hasn't. Yes, it has. You didn't know me twenty years ago. I was really screwed up. <laughs> I'm so much better than I was then. You have no idea. I but, do. I've read, you, I've read your book. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's I, true. I, I, have, totally I do true. have an idea of uh, how far I were fell. then and where you are now. And again, I think it's the spiritual experiences, you know, and, and giving that power. And I, because of my my trauma of my past, I was kind of like the women in the in the jail that I got to the point where I had to start relying on a higher power yes. to have any semblance of sanity whatsoever. I had to give up my will, my thinking. I had to believe that something outside of me was going to save me and help me and make me stronger, and it did. You know, that I tapped into the universal source through language that I no longer might use, but it was certainly, you know, I activated the source within by attaching it to some source without, you know, I mean not without, but, you know, outside of me. So I was activating it even back in the day. And it is all one. doesn't matter, I guess, indeed how I activate it. What words I use, it just becomes active. Exactly. All paths lead to God. All paths lead to God. And every <laughs> one of us finds the path that is best for us, which is, I mean, it's a powerful. No judgment about other people's path because it's clearly the path. If if it helps them live a life they love and doesn't harm other people, right? If it helps them live a life worth living, then it's their right path. And that is so true. That's the uniqueness of the experience. It'd be boring if we all had the same path. It'd be sort of boring. Be it like, would be very boring. Sort of like what? Well, I was going to say, if it, you know, like always having daytime, would ultimately we'd get tired of that. So we, you know, at some point, variety and darkness, all the things that add the, the not it to the it experience. I'm you sticking with that. To say that, that I know I did. I really did. I really did. I like that. The the it and the not it. So we have a few minutes left, maybe three or four minutes left. Do we want to engage in the question: Are power and strength? The same thing. Ooh. And especially from the perspective of spiritual mm-hmm. strength and spiritual power. You know, I think um, through the spirit, I get 
through the power of the Spirit, I get strength. I get a sense of, when I'm in the light, I get a sense of, inner. In, there's an energized sense of that. And I guess I'm stuck in strength being like, you know, being able to lift a heavy piece of metal. Physical, yes, physical, physical strength. strength. Or the strength of character strength. to keep going back to mm. deal with whatever is happening in your life, to keep keep going there. Uh, from the other end, if spiritual strength, if we think about spiritual strength as demonstrated by faith, mm. then my faith helps me demonstrate the power of spirit in my life. So I don't think they're the same. Either oh, way, I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm going at it from both ends, but either way, I don't think they're the same. I agree. But I think they are. Um, they. I was going to say de- are dependent upon one another, but dependence not quite the right word. They definitely interact, feed one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they deepen one another. Right. So spiritual power. Understanding the power of spirit operating in my life, and that I have the power that is grounded in God in a spiritual foundation, as you said, absolutely gives me the strength to deal with, to face whatever is going on in my life. Yes, I think the women, their spiritual program gives them the strength to, to sustain their daily life in jail. And so it's the power of their spiritual program that gives them that physical strength and mental endurance to get through that. And it is my strong faith that feeds and supports and grows my understanding and use of spiritual power. Oh, I like that use of spiritual power. I love that. Because it is all there. It's my whether I use it or not is is up to me. Love that. Whether I tap into it or not is up to me. Yeah, and the uh, yes, yes, and that use of it is then what creates my experience from it. And I I have not still been using it much for meditation. I just thought I'd disclose that, throw myself on the proverbial cross. What is is that faith that they like hit themselves on the back with, like? Flailing themselves or something? What is that? That's something, isn't it? That's flailing. That's flailing. <laughs> That's exactly what that I'm is. <laughs> I know, but just, you know, in the point of full disclosure, I just thought, you know, the whole daily practice of spiritual thing, you know, I still have sort of given up. But thanks for letting me share. So maybe this will be the week that I get back into my daily practice. We talked about that at the end of the show, the importance of daily practice. Or not. <laughs> Firm, yes, but it is. Is that I, what you want? I actually? use the power. Wait, is that what you want? <laughs> do you want that? Do you want that? Support it. What yes. do you really want? Yes. And yes. how does that make you feel? Please, please. The feeling yes. I'm wanting that. See? That's what I need. <laughs> okay, so enough fun for this week, this show. That is uh, our uh, discussion about power. And uh, we hope that you will join us again soon. But until then, say Say yes yes to spirit. spirit.